Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, allegations of sexual abuse, betrayal and threats, the downfall of a homeless charity and its founder. For almost 10 years, Anthony Flynn was a champion of Dublin's homeless people. He was well known for being on the side of the city's rough sleepers and he set up a charity to fight their corner. Boys, Anthony here from Inner City Help and Homeless. It's the eve of Christmas Eve. We're here at our Glass Nevin Redistribution Centre. Absolute mammoth effort is being put in place over the last couple of days. He was their voice on Dublin City Council, where he served as an independent councillor. Housing is on the agenda and it will continue to be on the agenda and it's something that the government need to hammer home. You know, all more and co-living is not going to be open at all and we're the advocate for that to be gone out the door. Then, in the middle of August, everything started to fall apart. It emerged in sketchy reports that he was under investigation for serious crimes. Days later, he was found dead. Mr Flynn, who was in his 30s, was a prominent campaigner on homelessness in the capital. He'd been suspended from... Since his death, shocking details have emerged about the crimes he was alleged to have committed and the charity he set up started to unravel. Jack Power has been covering this story for the Irish Times. We're going to talk about Anthony Flynn's charity, Inner City Helping Homeless, and what has gone on there. But first, what exactly are the allegations against Anthony Flynn? What crimes was he accused of committing before his death? So the allegations relate to four men who accused Anthony Flynn of, of sexually assaulting them on different occasions. I suppose the nature of the allegations in several of these instances, these men were taxied to Anthony Flynn's home at night where they allege the sexual assault took place. In at least two of these cases, these men had been provided accommodation by Anthony Flynn through inner city helping homeless. In specifically one of the cases, it said that Anthony Flynn, while the individual was being accommodated by the charity, uh, texted the man uh, seeking sex. In another case, a man who said he was facing eviction and had lost his job effectively turned to... Uh, Anthony Flynn for help and then subsequently was uh, allegedly sexually assaulted by Anthony Flynn. So who was Anthony Flynn? Anthony Flynn was originally from Dorset Street, so he was kind of local in the, the northeast inner city. You know, he worked in a bar locally and in late 2013, he and a group of other volunteers set up a charity called Inner City Helping Homeless. Inner City Helping Homeless was formed in November 2013 um, as a reaction to rough sleeper crisis that had presented in Dublin. And that was basically in response to what he said he kind of saw... Uh, you know, kind of happening in Dublin city centre with the growing number of kind of rough sleepers, people sleeping in doorways and in tents and sleeping bags. And so Inner City Helping Homeless was set up as an outreach service. And we went out and made sure people were comfortable on the streets and people were supplied with sleeping bags and food and once they couldn't get into a hostile environment at night time. And then it kind of evolved into a charity that also was providing kind of housing support and, and, and temporary housing to homeless people in the inner, inner city and, and Dublin city in kind of a wider sense. And Anthony Flynn himself, you know, kind of over the years since, you know, 2014 onwards, as the housing and homeless crisis really kind of deepened in the public, he certainly became a key voice, you know, on, on radio, in the media, as an outspoken, you know, critic of government policy, of housing policy, of... You, clashed frequently with the former Minister for Housing, Owen Murphy. What I'm calling for today is the Minister's resignation. The Minister is acting ultra voire in regard to his position. He is not only misleading the public in regard to figures in order to keep the homeless service numbers below the 10,000 mark. 
So he was really a vocal voice in the, the scene of, of homelessness and the homelessness crisis. And how many people would have been involved in the charity, both the volunteers and maybe on the board and stuff? So it grew you know, really, really rapidly. You know, as I said, it, it kind of set up at a time just when the, the homelessness crisis was, was really taking off. Um, and so it grew from a you know, small, tight-knit group of, say, 40 volunteers to a charity you know, with an office on Amien Street that had around 200 volunteers. And in, in terms of income, it had funds of less than 50 grand in the, the years after it was set up to you know, its most recent financial accounts from 2019 show it had you know, close to, to half a million euro in, in income from, from public donations. When did we first learn that something wasn't right at the charity that Anthony Flynn had founded? Early last month, initial media reports started to emerge that Inner City Helping Homeless, the charity, had suspended a member of its staff over what it called at the time serious matters. And separately, there was other media reports that indicated a Dublin politician was under guard investigation over alleged sexual assaults against two adult males. The initial two sexual assault allegations that were made against Anthony Flynn related to incidents in May of this year. At that point, a guard investigation was launched when, when when those two men reported the alleged assault. And so then that guard investigation was, was ongoing over the summer, unknown to inner city helping homeless. So then in early August, almost kind of by chance, the charity became aware that Anthony Flynn was under investigation over two serious alleged sexual assaults. And then quickly after that, they suspended him. Around a week or so after that, I suppose that news trickled into the media very quickly, despite Anthony Flynn not being named in connection with that Garda investigation. You know, on, on social media, it was, it was very quickly put together that, that he was the one being investigated. Around a week after that, after the allegations were first reported in the media, Anthony Flynn was, was found dead in his home in what Garda described as having died in, in tragic circumstances. There seems to have been a bit of a delay between the Gardaí starting their investigation and the Gardaí informing the charity. Is that normal or was that a surprise to people? Yeah, so this is one thing that the people in Inner City Help and Homeless have, have really been kind of critical of. And in, in fact, it, it wasn't the Gardaí informing the charity of, of their own volition almost. Uh, the charity, as I said, almost found out by accident. A, a, an individual emailed the charity saying that one of their staff was under Garda investigation. And that led the charity to contact the Gardaí and try and find out, was there any truth to this? And then, you know, the following day in early August, he received a call from the Garda informing him that the CEO, Anthony Flynn, was under investigation over alleged sexual assaults. So there was no real, I suppose, notification from the guards at the outset or even after they'd searched uh, Anthony Flynn's home and seized his phone. Even at that point, there was no notification. This is something that other organisations in the youth sector or the voluntary sector have also been kind of critical of. Is is there sometimes a sense or, or a culture of reporting only works one way? in terms of organisations are obliged to report, you know, stuff like child protection concerns or safeguarding concerns. They're obliged to report them, you know, to Tusla or the guards. But there's no reporting obligation that strictly works the other way. The guards in this instance weren't obliged to report the fact that Anthony Flynn was being investigated over fairly serious sexual assault allegations back to the charity. This is obviously a tragic story on many levels and one which must have left many of his supporters confused and conflicted. It's also heightened tensions and emotions around the North Inner City where he did so much to support homeless people. 
How has the story been viewed on the ground there? Yeah, so I think the initial reaction was you know, was one of real kind of shock and hurt and, and almost a, a disbelief. During Anthony Finn's funeral, you know, there was a huge turnout. A vigil was held outside the, the offices in, in Amiens Street. There was a real sense of a kind of a community rallying around uh, kind of one of their own. And I suppose that's been something that the community has now been grappling with as the seriousness of these allegations and, and the details kind of continue to emerge. And there still is some that, you know, particularly on, on social media, uh, continue to deny the validity of the allegations or, or claim that Anthony Flynn's name will be cleared in time. So there is a significant level of you know, kind of hurt within the community. And, you know, as we said earlier, you know, David Hall, the the then chairman of the charity said he received, you know, kind of personal threats and, and he had fears for his own safety over, I suppose, some blame that was attributed to him by members in the community over how the suspension of, of Anthony Flynn was was handled. There was even some suggestion that a gate code for David Hall's uh, address was being discussed in a pub in the, the northeast inner city. So th- that would kind of speak to, you know, the seriousness of those uh, alleged threats that were kind of around David Hall and his name and he he was told by Gardy that or advised by Gardy, you know, not to come to the Amiens Street offices of the charity or or not to show up in the, the northeast inner city for fear over those threats. And what about those who've alleged that Anthony Flynn committed these very serious offences? Have we heard anything about how they've been coping in recent weeks? So I suppose this is one thing as well that those in the charity were particularly concerned about that there was, I suppose, this focus on the, the former chief executive, Anthony Flynn, and, you know, this this sense of kind of hurt in the community. And there was a real sense that, you know, the, the four alleged victims were, were being forgotten in this debate. You know, were they being provided kind of adequate support? So, you know, we haven't heard publicly from, from any of the alleged victims, but you imagine with this playing out so, so publicly, I suppose it's obviously been an intensely difficult time. Coming up... The crisis now facing inner city helping homeless and what it means for the people it serves. After Anthony Flynn died, where did that leave the charity, Jack? How did it respond to the unfolding events? So I suppose Anthony Flynn was so tied up and and integral and and central to the charity and and its image. So it it, it really was, was thrown into you know, a bit of a tailspin amid this kind of deepening kind of controversy over the allegations against its its former founder and, and chief executive. So a number of board members, you know, including David Hall, resigned. There were some efforts to try and get other board members or other individuals to come forward and, and take positions on the board. And, you know, that was ultimately kind of unsuccessful. And you know, I suppose one response was that David Hall himself compiled a report of how the controversy was was handled. And what did that report say? The report by David Hall was the first factual document setting out the details of the allegations against Anthony Flynn, uh, the details that I set out at the start of this interview. Uh, the two men initially made allegations of sexual assault, followed by two more men when the case became public. And of those four men, uh, at least two were accommodated by the charity at the request of Anthony Flynn himself. Uh, and the alleged sexual assaults happened while these men were in that vulnerable position. What happened after David Hall's report was published? After David Hall's report was published, the charity again 
came under renewed you know, kind of scrutiny and the controversy really intensified. And then so we've seen in recent days further uh, board members stepping away. Christy Burke stepped away as interim chair of the charity and another director resigned as well. So that left just a single board member left and that board member you know, took legal advice and then following that advice early this week, wrote to the charities regulator and the office of the director of corporate enforcement informing them that the charity in, intended now to apply to the high court to seek it to appoint inspectors to the charities so that's a, a fairly serious kind of corporate governance uh, move and development and, and that inspector that high court inspector would effectively investigate the affairs of the charity and then make a report back to the the court which would then uh, make a direction on kind of the the future of the charity. So that could include uh, a number of things, um, you know, up to potentially winding up the the charity. The Social Democrats TD Gary Gannon was nominated for a position on the board. Did that happen? So this was really when the charity was attempting to, I suppose, several directors had resigned. And so it was trying to find other, you know, suitable people to, to come onto the board and step up so that the charity might have kind of some some kind of corporate governance oversight over it amidst this kind of whole controversy. So Gary Gannon and another, I suppose, senior figure within the charity, a woman called Claire O'Connor, and then a, a respected uh, barrister who works for the Tenants' Rights Association threshold, Gavin Elliott. The three of them were nominated for positions on the board and they probably would have seen been seen by some people internally and externally as a potential kind of clean slate to come in and kind of write the charity again. But what happened as the controversy deepened, those three people effectively withdrew their names for consideration for board positions. And, you know, that really left the charity um, scrambling and, and struggling to find people to, to sit on its board, which um, it's since then has still been uh, unable to do. Is there guard of vetting for people who are working with charities like this one, for people who are working with very vulnerable people? So this has been another point of controversy in this story. And the the short answer is there used to be. So a few years ago, it would have been fairly routine that workers in homeless charities would have been you know, routinely Garda vetted. And in recent years, the approach from the, the Garda Vetting Bureau has been to slightly narrow its definition of what it calls vulnerable people. So it somewhat no longer classes people who are homeless as vulnerable people for the purposes of Garda vetting. So that means effectively that at present, the majority of homeless charity workers or volunteers aren't required to be Garda vetted. And, and that's been one thing that has also been, you know, kind of drawn attention to amid this kind of controversy. And now Garda Commissioner Drew Harris has said that's going to be reviewed. Uh, one can regard that the homeless are, are particularly vulnerable uh, and that then may be... Um uh, uh, an area that, that that needs resolution. Certainly we're looking into that. When the charity was founded in 2013, it was in response to a growing homelessness crisis in the north inner city and indeed around the country. Fast forward eight years, is the situation there better or is it worse? Yeah, so when, as you said, when the charity was founded, this was probably really at the Nearly at the very start of the homelessness crisis, the rough sleeper kind of crisis in Dublin, you know, nationally, we probably had just a few hundred families in emergency accommodation and hotels at the time and several thousand people homeless overall. 
since then, you know, we've really seen homelessness, you know, kind of skyrocket. You know, it, it peaked over 10,000 people being recorded as homeless in recent years. And it has since after the pandemic come down to around just over 8,000. But you can still see then that, you know, since Inner City Helping Homeless was founded, the problem has, has just got infinitely worse. The, the numbers of people who have lost their homes and have fallen into homelessness has grown dramatically over the last, you know, five to 10 years. A lot of the focus of the news reports about this story have been on Anthony Flynn and on the charity itself, as indeed has the much of this podcast. But what about all of the homeless people who rely on that charity for support? Where are they now? How are they coping? Yeah, and, and one thing that is always kind of key to remember, particularly like across the the sector of charities and voluntary groups working with the homeless is, you know, often there can be kind of a sense of distrust and, you know, rough sleepers can have a, um, you know, a deep-seated sense of kind of distrust of the system or of hostels, of emergency accommodation. So you'd imagine that this controversy, you know, is probably only going to to widen that gap and, and kind of compound that sense of distrust because, you know, what's alleged at the heart of this is a, is a deep, deep, betrayal of, of trust of somebody in a, in a position of power to a number of, of vulnerable people in, in the care of their charity. The Irish charity sector has been hit with many scandals over recent years. This is just the latest. Is this going to damage people's trust in the charity sector further, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you would have to imagine so. I mean, inner city helping homeless relied nearly solely on public donations, and you know, as I said, it, it got a huge amount, you know, each year for a, a small, relatively localized Dublin charity in public donations. So those people, I suppose, who have donated to the charity, you know, some would probably feel that they've been let down, and as with previous scandals relating to charities in the past, we have seen that the the wider sector always kind of takes a hit as a result of the controversies or as a result of the the bad apples, there's probably concern across kind of homeless agencies and different, you know, stalwart, long-established homeless organisations like Peter McFerry Trust or Focus Ireland or uh, the Simon Communities. Those other long-standing voluntary homeless charities will, will probably be, you know, fearful that, um, you know, will this kind of affect them? Will this affect, you know, their ability to, to fundraise? That's it for today. In the News will be back on Friday.